with Jason Warren and Kate Hensler, brought to you by Warren Music Pro and On Deck Integrated Communications. Hi, Jason. Hello, How Kate. Are... <laughs> <laughs> I am here with Robot Jason Warren. Yes, I am here to do a podcast Doing about musification. A podcast. What's going on, buddy? Not too much. How are you doing? I'm doing well on this rainy day in Jersey. It's fucking shit. Yeah, it's gross out. <laughs> I cursed. Oh my gosh, Jason said I swear. <laughs> that actually might be the first bomb I dropped. Boom. Dropping bombs. But yeah, let's be honest. The weather has really sucked. And it's like, you know, there's really cool things about the fall. But there's also really crappy things. And like, there's a really, I hate like rainy fall days. Unless it's like, you know halloween and then you're all dark and scary but like just a regular mid-october rainy because it's like cold yeah like the rain feels like it's like getting through your skin into your bones you don't even get like the bounce of humidity where you're like oh it's a warm breeze though yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah. i like it on occasion but today was like uh i'm gonna just be rainy make you not want to get out of bed kind of rain today yeah (laughs) Yeah, like it looks like it's just about to get dark, but like at eleven a.m. Yeah, that's gross. You know, so it's rude. Is what it's my is. favorite. Hey, you know what doesn't make me sleepy? Uh oh, what? Billie Eilish. Oh, girl, you went there. <laughs> that for the people listening at home, like, I don't want to get too into music jargon, but uh, that's what we call a segue. <laughs> <laughs> True. Yes, Billie Eilish. Billie Eilish. I was very excited. Um, you know, it, it it's interesting. Um, I think both of us have talked um, a little bit on the air, but more so off the air about how doing this was there were a lot of surprises. Um, you know, we both talked about how, like, you know, there are certain artists that we, you, you know, that delving either back into or delving into a little deeper than we maybe had done in the past was just such an amazing experience. Um, and there were some good and bad, you know, things that came out of that. Like there were some, some moments, you know, that maybe we, you guys will find out down the road, um, that maybe we went in thinking, Oh, this artist might be a really positive thing. And then, you know, we came out and said, well, maybe we don't want these listeners to think we're these pretentious people who are just about being negative. Cause you know, we'll, we'll wait until you guys are hooked and then start really giving you the negative pretentious stuff. Um, but you know, um, long story short, you know, we went through a couple of artists and had some interesting things that made us decide maybe we'll hold off a little bit. Um, and they'll be back. We're not going to tell you who they are. Um, and you know, I think for me, you had mentioned, well, why don't we just do Billie Eilish? And it was like, so obvious. It was like, well, yeah, she's new. She's modern. Um, which we haven't done yet. Um, and I think that's so important. Um, and like, how can you come up with something negative? Good luck. We're going to talk about her for the next six hours. Um, just kidding. Um, and I'm going to, I'm going to find it very difficult to find anything negative to say about her. Yeah. And I think, well, you're alone in the idea that you don't want our listeners to think you're pretentious and negative. I want everybody listening to think that I'm doing a music podcast because I hate music. (laughs) (laughs) But truly one thing that we talked about, even just setting out to do this in the beginning was that, um, you know, we want to make sure that we include modern artists in yeah. this, regardless of, um, you know, whether they have an extensive history to dive into or not, because it's so important. It's it's how music is relevant today. So we want to be able to cover artists of all quote unquote genres, which we've talked about not loving. But yeah, um, it is a thing, though, that we have to recognize, I guess. You sure. Know. And it is categorically makes sense. Yeah. Um, so we want to span eras of music, genres of music, and cover a lot of ground. And I think to start with Billie Eilish is really refreshing because she doesn't have an extensive album history yet. Mm -hmm. She's a very modern artist, and she's doing some really cool stuff. And 
what I like is when I was thinking about talking points for this episode a little bit was, oh, we can talk about some of the things that we were talking about with Billy Joel and the Beatles and Peter Gabriel. Um, and to be able to do so in a more modern context, I think is going to be a really fun and refreshing conversation. Yeah. And the unfortunate reality, it's funny. I, you know, I'm going to tell w- one little story that I wonder how many people can relate to and I wonder how many people cannot, uh, you know, if they are songwriters or musicians in any way. But um, first of all, what you just said is is amazingly poignant because unfortunately I don't feel and I really dig in, I really do, I promise, that, you know, our modern music is as saturated with those kinds of artists that you just mentioned Um as it was, you know, I always wish that I was, you know, unfortunately I was alive in the seventies, but younger, uh, actually able to appreciate, um, the music from either the sixties or seventies, because it was so saturated. At least when I look back historically, it seems like it was so saturated with just incredible, creative, individual, authentic, you know, artists of all different shapes and sizes. And, but, I wanted to because I think you'll like this. I'll never forget. I started playing in bands in the early, early ish 90s. Um, and there was a thing then where we go to a show and, you know, unfortunately, by that time, you already had the Oh, God, they're playing like, you know, quote unquote, grunge, like, oh, gee, like. They're basically copying Nirvana or they're basically copying Pearl Jam or basically copying Soundgarden or trying to squeeze them all into, you know, one little ball. Um, And then you had a lot back then, a lot more than than I saw in any other time in my life. A lot of like, what in the world is that? They're doing something I've never seen. That's weird. Might not be good or bad, but, you know, whoa, that's out there. Right. But then we always had and it seemed like at every show, because back then it was like always eight bands at a show or something um and there was always one band where you know we had the expression uh stuck in the 80s where you know it would be 1992 or 1993 and you know the guys would show up with the spandex and the, and the makeup and the, and, the, and the big hair and like we would all kind of scratch our head and be like what are you what are you what are you doing um and the biggest thing that i'm so glad that i experienced that because from my perspective now i was lucky i was a little younger than these guys so um my introduction to playing in in bands and stuff was was you know sort of modern at that time so i was in a very lucky situation but the one thing i always remembered just thinking you know even at you know 16 17 18 years old was i better always stay current um even if i think at first glance or at first listen that I hate something or, or that, you know, you know, become one of those guys around, Oh, the new music. I don't know about it. Um, because I never, ever, 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 ever wanted to be, you, you know, those people, uh, you know, going up on a stage where we didn't realize that we're the only people in this building that don't realize that what we're doing is over. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and we still see that. And you and I have talked about that before. We see that a lot with, you know, some especially like modern, uh, you know, like hard rock bands. You're just like, really? You're you're doing what, you know, Seven Dust was doing in like 1998. Like, what are you doing? Um, so it, that'll always exist. But, you know, it's interesting. You know, you have t- you you brought up several times and I totally agree with you. The importance of discussing modern artists. You know, I don't know if I said this to you, but my brother um, who's not a musician, but is one of the wisest people I've ever known, um, said something very interesting. He corrected me um, because I very sort of pretentiously kind of spit out like, ah, oh, the music today isn't like what it was. And my brother said the, the most amazing thing, which is absolutely 100% true, which is there's always good music. There's always, always good music. You just have to find it. Sometimes it's not, commercial sometimes it's not in your face sometimes it's not Billie eilish who is everywhere um where there's no way you're not going to run into her sometimes you have to dig a little deeper but he's absolutely right there's always good music happening and i don't even know if it's a matter of if there's more or less at different times as we may think 
Um, because we we simply just look at commercial. What's commercial? What's happening now? What's the f- most famous thing right now? And if it's this thing that I don't like or don't appreciate, then that means that modern music sucks. And it's like, no, because there could be a band playing, you know, in the village every Saturday night that is absolutely killing it, that if you're lucky enough to hear them, that it may change your life or, you know, or or, or really inspire you as an artist. And um, and just because they don't sell a million records, that doesn't necessarily mean that you weren't lucky enough to hear that music at that time. Couldn't agree more. And as someone who has mostly felt disconnected from my own generation <laughs> of of music, that's so important to keep in mind, especially, well, a couple of things. The first being that you have wider access to music that's not on the radio than ever before, Right. And that's, right. that's so it's good and bad because yes. there's no quality control. Anybody can upload anything and distribute it anywhere now. So you're, there's also a lot more bad music out there. Yeah. But it it also makes discoverability, if that's a word. I think it is. We just coined it. It's a, it's, 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 it's a peck of vinyl word. So there T- we go. TM, trademark. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's easier to discover awesome music as well. So... Um, that's, that's really important. And the other thing is most of the music that I tend to be drawn to, you also have to think in terms bigger than like America and what's on yeah. our charts, because some of the, I, I think I've mentioned before, I'm very drawn to like a lot of the prog music that's coming out of Australia or Swedish metal oh, yeah. or any of that kind of stuff. So it's, you have more access than ever. So as a listener, there's like this responsibility, I feel like to um go find it yeah but here's an interesting thing and you know you're probably going to give me some weird eyes that hopefully will translate audio Um, (laughs) but but because you're going to be i think you're going to be pleasantly surprised that i say this because you hear me complain all the time about my students and why aren't they listening to music why aren't they listening to music why aren't they tapped into to more because of what we just said they have they have every song ever written in their hand at any moment in time and how come they're only listening to Drake and I'm not trying to pick on Drake. I'm just saying there's more than Drake. Um, and you know, then I had actually a student say this to me that I don't know if I told you this. They said, you ever get that homework assignment where you just look at it and you just go and you just look at the immense size of what you're about to undertake and it just seems absolutely impossible. And there's a part of you that just kind of wants to just give up because it's just too much of an undertaking. And I was like, well, yeah. And, you know, she said, do you ever think that maybe our generation kind of looks at music that way? And you said before, there are good things and bad things. Maybe that's one of those caveats is it's like, well, yeah, I have billions of songs in my hand. Where in the world do I begin? You know, and that's very interesting. That is because there is a self. I've I've definitely fallen into a similar trap where there's a self-inflicted pressure that you put upon yourself because not only is all the music that's out now at your disposal, all the music that's ever been kind of done before is at your disposal and in like eight different ways, right? So we have Spotify and Apple Music and YouTube. Like there's... There's so much, but what I love is, and maybe this is something that your students and other people can just take advantage of. There's been times where I've texted you like, what you listening to? I'm, I'm going yeah. for a drive. What should I listen to? Uh, Shane Stanton, who we both adore. I'll do that to him all the time. <laughs> I'm like, just give me something, give me something different than what I'm listening to now, especially in quarantine. I've been trying to go. My thing is I go on a wellness drive. And I listened to an album I haven't listened to before. Like, that's something that I, I'm trying to treasure and not, I mean, vinyl is the best for a listening experience, but like, what should I, what should I drive and just put on that I haven't listened to either in forever or ever before? Yeah. Um, so one thing that's awesome, I feel like is the shareability of, it's never been easier for you to, if you're excited about a musician to be like, Oh, go check out the single on Spotify and then get into this album and you can just pull it up at your fingertips. Like that is so cool. It's unbelievable. And you know, you and I remember when it wasn't like that. So maybe that's, 
you know, some of the things that happens, you know, to kids that are like, you know, in their early 20s or younger is, you know, it's maybe not as exciting for them because it's basically been their whole life almost where everything's always been at their at their fingertips. Uh, But that thing that you just said is something that I would love to see more with that generation, too, is talk to your friend. Like, you know, I remember I tell my students this and they roll their eyes and fall asleep. Um, But I talk about being, you know, a a 12 year old in the 80s. And, you know, the way we worked is I remember I had my one friend, Ricky. Um where we did this for like a couple of years. And what's very interesting is we were in school for a long time, but we weren't that close. And then all of a sudden this happened where every, almost on a daily basis, we were bringing in mixtapes for each other because we would just talk about music in the morning and we'd be like, Hey, you know, this new ACDC album, what do you think? Oh, I haven't heard it yet. Really? Oh, I've got it. Let me make a tape for you. Oh, cool. Well, I got the new Metallica. Oh, cool. Oh, I really don't have it. Okay, tomorrow you bring ACDC. I'll bring the Metallica. And then we would just like, it was like almost a daily thing. It was like every morning I would, it was like Christmas morning because Ricky would have something for me. I would have something for him. And, you know, we would discuss it. And I don't like it as much as this one, but blah, blah, blah. Oh, well, have you heard, you know, let's get crazy, you know, Halloween, which was basically like, you know, diet Iron Maiden. Um <laughs> <laughs> and you know which back then was like cool and i love iron maiden might as well listen to halloween and you know until there's another iron maiden album out um and it was just you know um you know we had to do more different work you know like when i tell the kids well then i had to go home and i had to you know beg my mom to stop at cvs and uh, you know beg her to buy me another you know box of of uh, of of uh blank tapes and if she was in a good mood, <laughs> maybe I'd get one <laughs> and then go home and then, you know, sit there and hit record. And, uh, you, you know, re- you, luckily, if I was just doing a record, it would just be the whole album. But then what if the album? Oh, my gosh, the album's 52 minutes. Damn it. I can't fit it all on one side. And it's like, you know, um, there was there was a whole a whole process. But, you know, that's what I'd like to see more that I I. You know, I have certain students that 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 say that that they have these conversations. But, you know, I've said to them, like, why aren't you going into school and, you know, saying to your friend uh, Bobo? Because everybody's got a friend named Bobo. Yeah, of course. You know, what are you listening to? Oh, cool. And like you don't have, you know, Bobo that doesn't have to then go home and make a tape for you. All you got to do is pick up your phone and go, boom, it's this band. All right. You know, and um, listen to it. If it sucks, don't add it to your library. If it's great, add it to your library, you know? Right? Yeah, there's a there's a lack of like preciousness in the, in that, I guess. Um, but this is actually something I wanted to to segue into, which is kind of a perfect setup for this is um Billie Eilish being a new artist. Um there's been a lot of artists that by certainly by the Grammys definition or um, pop culture's definition defines people as new artists and they're not new artists. Yeah. And that used to drive me nuts. Boney Vare was around for like a decade before he won new artists. Yeah, I know. Um, the band Fun, they won new yeah. artists and their lead singer was they were like, in their Hi. 30s. Yep. And he was like, I was in the format for a decade or whatever. <laughs> Billie Eilish legitimately is one of the first ones to completely like blindside me in a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, that I was like, Holy crap. There's this new artist who's actually a new artist. That's doing something new. Um, that really blindsided me and that I felt really good about that and really excited about that Mm -hmm. where I was just, um, totally, totally refreshing to me to have that happen. Yeah. The only thing that so far, like, I remember being so excited going into my students and going, guys, it's happening because it reminded me. And this is, you know, some amazing, uh, but I really feel this way still to this day. It reminded me of like when I was 14 and heard nine inch nails and went, what the heck? And, you know, and, and her, and, and then, you know, know, Primus and Nirvana and all these bands. Whoa. Like, it was the first time in all because those things again were in the forefront. They were being marketed. They were being, you know, tossed out as us 
teenagers. Um, and so I automatically assumed that this was going to open the floodgates. And that's a one thing that at this point, I mean, it's been about a year, over a year, I guess, since the record came out. Um, and I see producers definitely taking notes because it is one of the greatest produced things I've heard. I mean, maybe in my life. It is unbelievable from a production standpoint, especially in its uniqueness, especially in the time that it came out when everybody was all about layering and layering and layering and layering. And these guys went back to, let's take a couple amazing sounding things and, you know, leave something that we all seem to have forgotten about in music, which is something called space, um, you know, for everything to breathe. Um, and I was very hopeful, and I guess it's, you know, I can't say it's over yet, but I was ho- I was very hopeful that record companies and, and, and this, this big machine um, that, that basically, unfortunately, is in charge of all these ideas is, you know, I was hoping that they were going to have a similar thing happen to them that happened in the, the late 80s, early 90s, where they went, wait a minute, these kids are buying this stuff. Maybe they don't want to hear all these things that are in this formula that we've been selling to them for the last X amount of years. Maybe they want different. Maybe they want unique. Let's give them a whole bunch of different things. Um, and I don't know if either the record company is the machine, whatever you want to say. I don't know if they noticed uh, or if they realized, like, wow, this is really an opportunity um, to to really branch out, to stick a little less to the formula and to really, um, to really try to find a little bit more authenticity and, and, uh, and, and uniqueness. I think part of why maybe that hasn't happened as much as we want it to is because the formula is also still working a little bit because you have like Ariana Grande also at the top of the charts. You have like, this K-pop wave that doesn't really feel that different, except for the fact that it's not in English. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's tricky because you have multiple successful things firing on the same front. And I'm with you. I wish there was a little bit more um, attention paid to it. I think, do we say that Halsey kind of might be in this, this kind of wave maybe a little bit? Um, Halsey's an interesting one because her first album, uh, we'll do an episode on that someday. Yeah, I would love to. Yeah. Um, her second album, I really need to dig back into because I hated it. And then you were the one actually that said, wait, 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 no, 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 like go back. Um, and then now she's got that third, right? Yeah. The third one. I have not even dug in and I really need to. The third one to me for Halsey uh, was a good marriage of the first two. Because I, I agree with you where the first one I was in love with, the second one I felt like was a little bit of a diluted version of what she's capable of, where the melodies were still ridiculous, but I was just kind of underwhelmed by everything else about it. Maybe overproduced, maybe? But definitely. I would, yeah. I, there's no maybe in that to me. Yeah. But also something that I think is common where the industry is like, we have something, let's pull it. Let's rein it in instead of going the other way with it. Um, right. Where the third one, I think she was like, hi, I'm going to do whatever the fuck I want. Yeah. Now. So I, I, I really definitely like need the- to dig because you've told me that. And I'm I'm a bad I'm a bad student because I didn't go and, and listen. And I'm fired. And this is the last episode of Pick a Vinyl. All See right. You thanks next for week. listening. <laughs> <laughs> but she's someone that I think. Um, could fall in line with maybe this, but I'm, I'm with you in that. I would love to see more of it. I would love to see, this is weird because usually we don't talk about um, things being overly female dominated, but I would love to see some male artists that maybe dig in in a similar way. Um, Interesting. Yeah. Which is, is for me is cool because you have like, look at who's been ruling pop music, Taylor Swift, Adele, Halsey certainly is in that conversation. Billie Eilish. It would it would be cool to see. Um, Good country too. Country for sure. Yeah, absolutely. That is very interesting, and I, and it makes me happy more than anything else, um, because I've always had a soft spot for a great female artist. I mean, you talk about Tori Amos. 
remember like Natalie Merchant with 10,000 Maniacs. I went through a period where I was like totally, you know, even like you go further, you know, like, you know, the Bangles and, um, you know, I don't know if you remember Susie and the Banshees in like the 80s and 90s. Like um, I've always had a soft spot, but um, but this is the time, the last at least decade where um, it's funny that you say that because I almost I'm at the point where I struggle with giving certain male artists a chance because like, OK, well, you know how I am with Fantagram which is another band that we will do at some point. Um, I love them. They'll, you know, but I know what they are. They're never going to be, they're never going to be Taylor Swift. And the the majority of the bands, at least modern bands in the last 30 years or so, like that I really, really love are probably never going to be that. Um, But it's just like, you know, they're, they're like, to me, my, one of my favorite examples of just like, she just destroys me. Like they are just really badass, and um, you know, but yeah, it's pretty bad that that I've gotten to the point where I do kind of go, oh, it's like a male or or it's it's a male artist or a male singer, and I get to the point where I'm like, ah, I expect to hear a certain thing, and that's a bad way to go in to listen to music. But um, that's very interesting. Nate brought that up. It's very, um, and you know what I think it is is as much as you can talk about a lot of things with maybe Taylor Swift and Ariana Grande and blah, 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 and Selena Gomez and, you know, all that stuff. The one thing, they're all unique vocally, if nothing else. Sure. You know, when you hear Ariana Grande, you don't think it's Taylor Swift. You know, you don't think it's Selena Gomez. You don't think it's Halsey. You don't think it's Billie Eilish. They're, they, they all have a very unique tone, a very unique approach um, vocally. And that's the thing. It's interesting that you're saying that a lot of times these days with some of the modern male artists, I'm like, Oh, he's doing that thing again. Oh, cool. That's exciting. He sounds like every other male artist I've heard in the last 20 years, you know? Sure. And on top of that, you know, not to reinforce any stereotypes or anything, but maybe part of that is like a vulnerability thing. Cause there's even stuff like I really, there's some stuff by Sean Mendez I like, but it's not, um, it doesn't rip my heart out in the same way. Yeah, he. It, that's interesting. He has so far in my life done nothing for me, and that's a gosh, that's mean. But no, but that's like Dave Crosby talking about <laughs> Eddie Van Halen kind of mean. But um, but it's true. I I, and I'm not I'm not trying to put the kid down. I'm not, I mean, he's obviously worked hard on on his voice and. Um, a lot of people love them, but there had really hasn't been a moment where I've been like, whoa, you know, whereas everybody else we mentioned, including Ariana and, and Taylor, which is like, it's such a cool thing to say you hate them or you're not into them because they're the most famous things in the world. But both of them have at least moments where I'm like, whoa, you know, um, and, um, and, and that that's a, and you're and you're right. I I think it is maybe to a degree. You and I did a, a vocal session today, which got emotional, which it should. Yes. And you know, it seemed it's interesting from a producer's perspective. It seemed a lot easier for me to get you to that place than it is sometimes to get male artists to that place. Sometimes they don't even want to go there. Yeah. No matter how hard I push or or how much I explain to them that that's really, you know, we were talking about how screw all your technique right now. Like, don't, you know, you work on it. You work hard enough on it. Leave that in the practice room. Like, this is time for you to say screw it and just feel it, you know. Um, and, you know, it's interesting. I I wonder if, you know, and I think we're coming along as far as you know gender roles and things like that but you know there's a part of me that wonders if like men still struggle with well i'm a macho guy who doesn't feel um or do these industry people maybe sean mendez has that in him right but uh they want him to sing lost in japan and these catchier songs because that's what's selling or like maybe even when male artists are willing to go there um mainstream radio isn't so that's like its own its own kind of catch 22 of like if you get a guy that is is gonna get that raw 
will people receive it? Will the industry allow people to receive it? Which yeah. uh, kind of sucks. Yeah, <clears throat> because they do. Let's 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 call it what it is. They have the control. They 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 always. You know, people say it's it's worse than ever. You know, they've always had that control. I mean, going back to probably it sounds like the fifties if you really dig in, but. Um, you know, uh, there have been times where I feel like the industry itself is like, let's take a chance. And I, if you look in the past, I don't see any point in history where they did that, where it didn't work out well for them. Sure. <clears throat> I mean, talk about like, you know, late, uh, late sixties, early seventies was like a time that I always think about like, oh my God, like everything from sing- singer songwriters to, to pop, to to metal basically with, you know, like black Sabbath and, you know, to, you know, Zeppelin and Floyd and blah, 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 blah. blah. We could talk until we're purple. And it's like so many different textures and different colors and different, entirely different, almost styles of music. Um, just going here, let's put this out and put this out and put this out, and put this out. And, you know, uh, they're still making money off that. Because, you know, people are still going back to 1977 and buying Peter ba- Peter Gabriel records. Like, you know, we talked about Petey Pete last time. Um, <laughs> and, you know, uh, and then, you know, and then for me, I look at again at the late 80s and early 90s, where it seems to me anyway, where once again, I went, let's take a chance. And uh, this guy worked with freaking Primus. I can't even believe it. They're like a top, like a like a. One of my favorites, um, but even as a fan and an artist myself, I I wonder what drug that exec was on <laughs> when they tell yeah let's let's give these guys a record contract <laughs> you know it's gonna take a real weirdo like this guy right here to really dig it. Um, There's a lot of weirdos out there though. Yeah, this is also kind of you. You can't isolate music from current events, too, right? And there's something that drives me really crazy about all of the performative conversations that people won't dig to the important layer of. And one of them is, like, how many people do you know are posting on Instagram about wearing a mask that you know aren't wearing a mask, like, fully compliant? I feel that way about this mental health conversation where it's like, erase the stigma, erase the stigma, erase the stigma. But then there's still this, like, layer of don't go there. Yeah. Don't go all the way there. Like you shouldn't feel ashamed for having mental health issues, but don't actually like kind of talk about them or express them. And this is like, to me, that's, that's something that, um, gosh, I, we started by saying we didn't want to be like cynical. Well, you just opened up a can of worms because that is, I think rampant in, 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 in modern culture. I mean, with race, with, uh, with, gender with sexuality i mean it, it, it everything it's like it's okay but don't actually feel or talk about it yeah um and i d- don't know if that the sentiment is incredible and i don't know why it wasn't like that in you know 1412 but the, the you know um we still have feelings about things that are unusual to what we experience. And that's interesting that you brought that up because I've always said like, why can't we should just be able to talk about it. We should talk about, um, you know, there are ways to talk about things that are different from what we experience without being judgmental or without being hateful. Yeah. And this idea that, uh, (laughs) don't be ashamed of it. You can talk about it, but only in the arenas where I feel good about it. (laughs) Like you can talk about your mental health in a conversation all day, but if it shows up in a song, which is hilarious too, because it's like, do you know how many songs were written about mental health? Like kind of all of them. I was just, it's either sex or mental health. Like (laughs) pick one. If it's in the (laughs) confines of a relationship, it's still about how you're coping with that relationship or whatever. Right. So, um, if you don't realize that most of the people you listen to are, you know, are, you know, um, replacing their therapy with uh, composing, then you don't get it. Yeah, well, we brought up Halsey before and I remember talking to, I'm going to name drop Shane 
twice on this, but I, he was jerk. like, "If you're listening, you're a jerk. You're a jerk, Shane. <laughs> Shane I was texting this jerk. Uh, <laughs> no, but we were talking about that Halsey album, um, and she's very open about the fact that she's bipolar. And he was like, "Man, I love it when pop artists get weird." And I was like, "Yeah, she kind of did that a couple places on this on this most recent album." Um, and I feel like that's so important. Is like he's like, "You got to get gritty. You got to go. You got to yes. get a little weird." Um, and that's the point of an important connectivity and not that there's anything wrong with cheesy music to go and dance to, because sometimes you're happy in life and that's great too, but to have pop music be, and this is actually a good way to turn back into Billie Eilish, to have it be this only one side or this only one dimension, um, is something that I feel like Billie Eilish did not do, especially on this album. She, she traveled the gamut here. And that is, as they say, awesome. Yeah, let's dig into her because you just brought up an amazing point. You want to talk about fearlessness, okay? What 16, 17-year-old girl writes really dark, original, unique, spooky music and yet is not afraid to say, I don't need to do drugs. That Zanny. Yeah. That song knocked me over because there's so much throughout history, so much, you know, tied, you know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And it's supposed to be, you know, you're supposed to be just this, this wild, you know, um, you know, um, rebel who, you know, goes against the grain of society. And that's like what an artist is supposed to be. And here's a girl who's saying, everybody's getting high. I don't need to. That's not the way I need to cope. And what, what an awesome thing, especially for a generation. I hope thousands and millions of teens are hearing that you know they're getting the opposite of <laughs> some of the things i was getting which was basically you know you listen to alice in chains and in you know 92 and you're like you know the needle's halfway in your arm <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know? for sure and um you know they're she's probably seen friends die of it too like yeah. i don't think that's that's something that's unique and i think Xanax being a reference to there's been a couple of artists, especially I think sadly more in like hip hop than anywhere else right now where that literally Xanax is the thing that has killed them and it's a prescription drug. <laughs> yeah. Well, I have one friend in particular um, who has been um, prescribed Xanax probably for, I'm going to say close to 20 years. And We've had conversation over conversation over conversation over conversation um, about how badly I'll say he or she wants to get off it. Um, but the sad reality is he will be the first person to tell you flat out, I will die. Unless it's done the right way. Um, and that's pretty weird. Yeah. Like, oh, you know, because I remember one time I said, well, why don't you just, you know, stop that? And he just said, oh, well, I'll die. Um, and it is a very serious, it's a, you know, you said it's prescription drug, you know, um, but it's obviously a very serious, serious um, drug and, I, you know, I wonder how many people are experiencing, um, like this, this thing where here they were trying to do something better for their mental health. And now they're an experience. Now they're in an experience or in a situation where they're like, okay, this has helped me cope for X amount of years. I'd love to kind of, you know, find a different way or, and, and and they can't. So that's that's an interesting what an unbelievable that she and that's what the second track, right? Oh the third one, but yeah. Oh well the first one isn't the first one just her going 
Yeah, it's just exclamation points. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, it, what did you say? I took my Visalign. Is that uh, an out? And here's the record. And then she laughs. <laughs> which I think is great. It's it, the best. You know. Well, like, yeah, later in the album, she has clips from The Office. Yes. Open. Yeah, I love that <laughs> stuff. I love it. So we would be remiss before we dig in. I'll, I'll give you the track listing in just a second. But we should uh, acknowledge that maybe Billie Eilish is better half is her brother. Oh or, my god. Um who did the production on this album and did so breathtakingly well and at an extremely young age. Oh my god, I want to kill him. <laughs> <laughs> did I say that out loud? <laughs> From producer to producer um to be 45 and to feel like it took me maybe until 25 or 30 to even get to the point where I felt like I could even dabble with it. Um, to look at this 21 year old kid, I think is how old he was. Yes. And Mm -hmm. wow, is all I can say. Um, you know, I'm going to say this and some people are going to go, what? but for 2020, that's like Mozart kind of shit because there is not a producer in the world. There is not a single producer in the world who has half a brain who hasn't spent hundreds of hours trying to figure out what the hell he did. Right. And he's 21. Like, ah! (laughs) (laughs) And what's cool is we've talked previously about um, production, maybe overcompensating for good songs, and that's not what happened here. Um, You can hear what the songs would sound like completely naked and they would still be really great songs. But well, because in a lot of ways they are naked. Yes. There's so much space, you know, I literally, I'm going to say something here that I'm going to get destroyed for, for the seven people that hear this, by the way, I'm going to make that joke all the time. This is the first (laughs) time I said it, but I'll always say like the seven people, the five people here, but this is dark side of the moon level production. Boom. You said it. It was said. Should I mean, we take a pause and fix whatever this little buzziness yeah, is? Yeah, I'm like? trying to. <laughs> Can we slate? We're going to slate it. I think we're good. Of course, now that I actually. Oh, some like... technical difficulties. <laughs> we actually were able to take care of it during the cast of the pod variety. Um, but the. And I'm not kidding. The space. The. The attention to detail of each aspect, the low end, what's happening in the low end, what's happening in the mid range, what's happening on the high end, every single thing has its place so that whether there are two things happening, which is surprisingly often, to whether there are maybe more, you know, like she has, a, there are moments where there are just like these layers of harmonies and gosh, bleh. Like the thickness of it is just brilliant, and the, the 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 choice of effects to bring these these harmonies across are just like what, um, but the um there are just so many things that, like I said, I mean there are going to be tons of people, especially people who haven't really who have listened to who have heard it but not really listened. Who are going to go, oh, no way. Like, that's sacrilegious to even suggest that. But I don't really care. I'll say it again. It is Dark Side of the Moon level production. Boom. And I can't think of a single art form that doesn't benefit for from some sort of breathing room in its work. Yeah, Miles Davis. Yeah. He used to talk about silence until he was purple. <laughs> and, you know... It's amazing how many times I've worked on a project and been like, what's wrong with this? And then you start subtracting mm. and you keep subtract. Well, we just experienced it. Yes. Very you true. You know, you want to do this song. We're not going to talk about it. It's all a big surprise. Um, and, you you know, the song was piano and vocal. And, you know, Mr. Producer here said, well, Kate, don't you worry. We're going to have drums and we're going to bass and we're going to really, really, we're going to turn this into an orchestra. And I did that and I spent an entire day working on that. 
you know, spent the majority of the day going, cool, cool, yeah, cool, cool, cool. Listened to it at the end of the night and went, nope. <laughs> yeah, I guess that might have been why these other producers said, maybe this should just be piano and vocal. <laughs> <laughs> um, so kudos to her brother and the role that he played on this album because what an incredible counterpart for these songs that were already awesome and his bravery to just let these songs just be awesome and to enhance the beauty of what was already there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's incredible. You know, there are so many things, um, you know, this is very obviously a pop artist. Um, and I love it. There are a lot of reasons why somebody is considered a pop artist. Last week we talked about Peter Gabriel. He, he's a pop artist. Um, Billie Eilish is a pop artist. Now, when you hear Taylor Swift or you hear Ariana Grande, you're like, well, it's pop. Because it fits into 2020's formula of what pop is. But when you hear Billie Eilish or Peter Gabriel, you go, what the hell is it? Well, I guess it's pop. <laughs> yeah. You can't fit it into, you know, today everything is indie or hip hop or alternative. Or alternative, which by the way, what I don't even know what that means anymore. Um It means miscellaneous. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, but uh you know, there are uh, those are my favorite we mentioned Fantagram before. They're another band where, you know, people listen to them and go, "Oh, what is it? I guess it's pop." Because it's not metal and it's not rock and it's not indie and it's not this and it's not that. And I guess it's just it's just pop music. Um, and um, but for a album in 2019 to say we are going to make a an album that has connective tissue throughout the 45 minutes of the record. Um for people who haven't done this, she had a lot of hits come off that album. And I know a lot of people that have heard those hits, but if you haven't listened to the record from start to finish, then you don't, under, you don't get that. You don't understand that every moment is precisely where it is and when it is, because that's where it's supposed to be. And when you listen from start to finish and you get to the end of the record, you take a deep breath, and you go, oh, that was an experience. And it's not because of the three-minute song that you love. It's because of the 45-minute record you just heard. Yes. And we've talked ad nauseum about the value of a complete listening experience and how cool it is when an artist is able to produce something that fits on a radio or like in a, something that is outstanding on its own as a single but like the magic is in that that full album experience. So if you didn't listen to the full album, you're a jerk. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we hate you. We <laughs> hope this doesn't inspire you to go listen to the full album. No, it's um it really is and it's it, it is done with incredible intent um and care. So I'll just run down the track listing of When We All Fall Asleep, Where Do We Go? Um, we mentioned that cheeky little intro track, which is just a bunch of exclamation points on here, which is fantastic. Um, Bad Guy, which is the first and probably the monster hit, I would say. Yeah. Um, off of this to... Well, that wasn't the first single. If you remember, she... Uh, and that's actually one of the things I thought was cool about it, because I was into this record before it came out, because there were a couple of singles that she had released where I was like, whoa. And I had already heard the first album, but I was like, I knew she stepped up. A level for 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 this new one um and then bad guy was the first thing i heard when the record dropped sure that's what yeah. was so cool about it. i think it was really smart because i, I agree I, in a lot of ways it may be the best um single and i think that it's really incredible that um they waited until until the um until the record actually dropped for that one so bad guy really kicking us off. Um, I love the lyrical wit of the song so much. Oh yeah, it's such a um, satire on itself, and I it, I just immediately fall in love with Billie Eilish, and um, like it makes me want to listen to everything else that's going to be on here because it's it's so cheeky at itself. Yeah. 
So I love that. Um, and then we have Zanny, which we just talked about a little bit. Um, Can we talk about the fact that that is basically a jazz standard? The way it's approached performance-wise. But Phineas was not afraid to be extremely creative and use a real modern approach, but with really old elements for Zanny. I mean, I don't know. A lot of people can't hear this, but there's pea soup going on. You know, the drums, like with brushes, um, which is a very sort of jazz ballad thing going back to the 20s, 30s, 40s. That is happening basically almost the entire time. Um, but the way it's produced, I mean, a lot of times jazz records are, you know, um, you, you know, maybe there's some isolation, but a lot of times it's mics in the room and and that's a lot of part of of what gives it the cool vibe that it gets. But this is like, all right, it's basically kind of a standard, but we're going to isolate every element and really give it its own power. And let's talk about timeless music. Like, right. <laughs> right? Like, that's so cool is that it, it spans across many different eras of time. So it seems like a pretty cool recipe for making something timeless. Um, you Should See Me in a Crown. Oh. Fantastic. All Good Girls Go to Hell, which might be my favorite. Um, I just love how dynamic that track is. Yeah. Wish You Were Gay amazing you went back to the um what's the word that you used for bad guy the like uh, cheekiness of it yeah there's it, it came right back on wish you were gay because you know you could tell and and i if if anybody hasn't experienced that they're cray cray um but um you know either that or the other you know for me a lot of times it's the other way you know where yeah. it's like <laughs> Man, I wish you weren't gay. Um, <laughs> you know, um, y- you know, um, and, and by the way, I don't mean like a friend. If they're gay, that's fine. I mean, like, yeah, not like by a lifestyle. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh, <laughs> I wish you were attracted to me, not the. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, and it's done. It's done. It. You know, it. It's a real feeling that she probably had. Absolutely. Yeah, but it's done in a cheeky way, and I think that's cool. Yeah. And something that maybe doesn't get talked enough about with her is um, her lyrical approach is diverse within the album. Like there is this cheekiness, there's heart wrenching stuff. There's like, there's she, even just the way she tells stories is different from song to song, which is really cool. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's like, there, there's the dangerous side that she has and it all comes across. You're right. In her vocal tone, it it's it, there, there are layers and layers of it. Um, that, that appear and it all depends on what, you know, uh, what the context is that she's singing, you know, speaking of which, when the party's over, if that just doesn't make you cry, horrible song, terrible, (laughs) um, eight, uh, my strange addiction, which is the clips of the office that Mm -hmm. I mentioned before, if you're a threat level midnight fan, which if you're not, I don't know what's wrong with you, but yeah, we um, hate you too. Just, yeah, exactly. We're talking today about all the people we hate. Yeah. (laughs) Basically judging everyone for not liking what we like. So there you go. Yeah. And most of you are listeners. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Bury a friend. Oh my God. That might, sometimes that's my favorite. I think that was the first single. If I'm not mistaken. I think you're correct. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ilo Milo, is that how you say that? I think <laughs> that's uh, like, uh, well, we'll when we get back to Deftones, it's like whenever you know, when I pronounce Koi no Yokan, I'm like, is that right? Like, I think that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Listen before I go. Oh, another one. Yep. I love you. Well, thank you. Which the next track? Oh, the, the name of the track is I Love You. Oh, I don't the, like the, you. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah this so. just got awkward. <laughs> And the closing track, cleverly named Goodbye. Right, which is a closing track. And that goes back to what I was saying, the connective tissue. You know, that's the end of the film. Absolutely. Yeah, and it feels like it. Um, so, I mean, just a ridiculous album from front to back. Um, I think we've talked 
at length about the complexities and the ways that it's awesome, which means there's only thing one thing left to do, Jason, and that is the lightning round. All your we don't pre- have a theme song yet. I'm working on it. So that's it for now. You got it? Get all your musical needs at Warren Music Pro. Cool. <laughs> hey, were you guys were you guys recording? All right, cool. <laughs> you guys get it? Perfect. Because we definitely have somebody else engineering this. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, Jason. Yes, Kate. If there is one thing that you want listeners to take away from this episode and artist, what is it? You know, I was I was gonna repeat myself. So you can emphasize. You want to emphasize? Be who you are all the time. I think that, especially, can you imagine being seventeen? Or I think she is she actually eighteen yet? Or she like can she vote yet? (laughs) (laughs) um, To be that aware, um, and it's funny because she strikes me as the kind of person that if she was here, she go, I don't know who the hell I am. But I would look at her and go, you know a lot more about who you are than I did for maybe 10 years after 17. You know? Sure. I mean, the awareness of not knowing who you are means you figured out more than I think a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that would be, a, it would, you know, like, like really, really just and be OK with it and embrace the hell out of it. And that's what she does. And I would venture to say and right from that place. Yes. Right, yeah. Um, what one album should listeners of this podcast absolutely listen to by this artist? This is so funny because she only has two and some singles that are out right now. So, and I'm gonna go ahead and say, and you can you do me a favor? Can you remind me what is the first record called? Oh my gosh! And when I tell you this, I this is one bad thing about modern technology <laughs> is that you know I get into this thing where even stuff I love I don't remember track names and sometimes I don't remember record names because I just get so used to just you know pushing pushing buttons on my phone and and hitting play um back in the day you had to know the name of everything um well and she's not the type of artist that just names stuff like there's not an obvious thing where it's like the single is called this yes so yeah yeah um don't smile at me yes Okay, so since we're talking about the record that everybody knows, and obviously it's incredible, but go back and listen to that first one because this week in preparation, I always am a big smelly nerd, and whoever we're listening to, even though obviously we both listen to them regularly, otherwise we wouldn't be talking about them, I still go back and and you know try to give them a little extra effort to dig in. And, you know, I went back to that one and I was like, wow, like that was what made me fall in love with her to begin with. Um, I was anticipating that new record and she exceeded my expectations, which is, I think, why I love uh, the, 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 uh, the, the new record so much. But but uh, was it Don't Smile at Me? Yeah. Oh, my God. That one is really great. It's a little bit more, you know, it in. It reminds me, I wonder if I'm if we're going to look back in the future and call that her um the Bends, like a Radiohead. Yes. You know, you know, uh they are so conceptual in nature. Um and I look at the Bends and and I say, "Well, this is a great it's like their only record that to me is a great collection of rock songs." I definitely wouldn't call it like um, certainly not as exception as conceptual as as you know, okay, computer, obviously, right. But really, in any of their stuff, um, after that, um, and that was their second album. But it's interesting; it was her first album. I listen to that and I go, "These are, you know, what is it? I think it's twelve. It's like twelve great songs. Um, individual, they they stand on their own, um, but they still fit together well in this record. Yeah, for don't under don't don't underestimate that first record. It's great." Agreed. And sometimes it's fun to go back and listen to something because I do love that album, but you do see a tremendous amount of growth, I feel like, between the first and the second album, which I I love, love, love as a listener. Um, What is one song that listeners of this podcast should absolutely go and listen to if you had to pick one song? (laughs) He's looking at the, uh, the vinyl, trying to see if he can narrow in on one. Dun, 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 um, 
For me, it's when the party's over. I'll throw that out. Yeah, there. I would say because I was actually thinking about what is it called? Um, Elo, you brought it up, Elo Milo. Yeah. Uh, mainly because that's an easy one to skip. Oh, that's uh, fair. Okay. Easy one to skip, and you know, as as I as I am with most of the albums that we talk about, um. You know, I think the reason why it ends up on this show is to me, I can listen to it start to finish. So there's not a single moment where I'm like not interested. Um, and that is included. So, the, you know, I, you know, and I would go further and say, listen to any of the songs you haven't heard, any of them. And, um, but Elo Milo is one that when I was listening a couple of days ago when I was on the hamster wheel, um, that's the cool way to say treadmill if you're, if you're hip. Um, <laughs> The, uh, you know, I, that one struck me and I went, hmm. And, and I know you were going to ask that question. So, Elo Milo, now, boom. Okay. Done. Well, the next question is, I got what the is answer an, right. An underrated song or album. <laughs> and, you know, I'd say Elo Milo, um, you know, I guess Ocean Eyes was kind of, and that's on the, on the, on, uh, Don't Smile at Me, but, um, that I think was maybe kind of a hit. But if you haven't heard that, then either die or or listen to it. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, uh, and you know, underrated album, first album, definitely. Sure. Yeah, because it's great. Are there any songs or albums no. you can't stand by no. this artist? I know. No, not yet. Yeah, and I, no. I'm I'm looking forward to the day where we have an answer to that question, and I know we're gonna get there. Oh, we will. That's what's amazing, you know, and it's funny. It is really, uh, there a lot of times, you know, uh, even, you know, uh, we're eventually going to get to Pink Floyd, who, you know, is arguably at least, you know, top five favorite, you know, um, and they're, they're like, you know, top five artists, top five favorite artists all time. And I guarantee I would still, you know, I have some song, I have, I have a list of songs I could give you that I don't like strangely. For sure. And I think. I know for we've talked about Def Leppard in the past and well, some they, other oh God. because there are some there are some albums that I love by bands who took a turn and I hate the turn that they took. Yeah. But those albums I love. So I'm I'm hoping we get to some of those, too, which will be really fun. Is it, our Def Leppard conversation is going to be probably very emotional for this. Guy. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to lose all our listeners there it is. when I say. Hysteria is one of the worst things that ever happened to me in my entire life. <laughs> and I wish I was exaggerating. Listen, trauma shows up differently for all of us. So <laughs> that album was huge, <laughs> like the biggest album for. <laughs> and we can like, but Kiss is another one where I look oh, yeah. at like, yeah. So I, I think that'll be. It's really fun. cool to hate them. Yes. You know, but I'll tell you, they got Strutter some stuff. Strutter is an awesome they, song. <laughs> that whole that whole record, which is the one we'll do. Oh, my God. We just gave it away. That whole record, the first one, the first Kiss record. I yeah. It's great. It's great. Yeah. So. Cover to cover. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. So we'll get into somewhere we have an answer to that question. But Billie Eilish, not the one to have an answer to that question, which I love because. Now, it, you know, and I'm sorry I cut you off. Not really. I hate you. But. Right. Um. <laughs> <laughs> um I will give the other artists this. She's still new. Um, you know, she's only got the two. Sure. Ones, but she's got other singles and I'm including them too when I say, but it is funny how emphatically and how simply and easily it was for me to know. Nope. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's refreshing because you and I have, we talked about it on this very episode, like searching the current pop landscape for something to really dig into, to be able to buy into her so fully is really, really awesome. So I'm very glad we talked about her today and I'm very glad that you were listening to this episode. Um, Please feel free to check out our previous episodes where we talk about the Beatles, Billy Joel and Peter Gabriel. We have plenty, plenty, plenty more artists. This vinyl shelf is never going to run out. So thank you so much for listening and we hope you tune in next week. Bye. (laughs) Ha <laughs>